Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm Pastor Glenn Schaefer. It is a wonderful time for us to be able to be together. Uh, We, a few of us here in the sanctuary, you at home, worshiping the Lord with us. And we pray that during this next 45 minutes or hour of worship, that you'll be enriched and edified as we focus our hearts and minds on the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's a lot going on in our world today, and it's good just for us to step back and pause for a moment and reflect on the promises of God. And with that in mind, let's begin with a word of prayer. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, there is indeed many things going on in this world. There is much anxiety, worry, and fear. And Lord, we bring those with us even now. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would help us to set those things aside at this moment and in this time of worship, that our hearts and minds would be stilled, and that we'd focus on your word as we sing it, as we hear it read, and and as it is proclaimed. Lord, we know that you'll enrich us in our faith. We know that you are present with us, whether we're here in a sanctuary or at home worshiping you. For you have promised that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be present. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first reading for this, the fourth Sunday in Lent, is taken from 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace who has called you to eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Our second reading is from the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 8. For at one time you were darkness... But now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. The gospel reading appointed for this Sunday is from the gospel of St. John, the ninth chapter. And because it is so lengthy, I encourage you just to remain seated. This chapter will also be the chapter that I'll be studying in our Bible study that will begin at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time this morning. 
We read from John chapter 9. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when I can work no longer. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now having said this, Jesus spit on the ground and he made some mud with his saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was he. Others said, No, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. And he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Well, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And so they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say? What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, He is a prophet. Well, the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? Well, we know that he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or how his eyes are open, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that is why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are his fellow disciple, or you are his, this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, 
Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, You were steeped in sin at at your birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, Jesus said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace, mercy, and peace is yours through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Dear fellow friends in Christ, the text that I've selected for this morning's message is from the book of Acts, the second chapter, beginning at verse 42, and actually is just verse 42, where we read, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer and to the breaking of the bread. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, dear friends in Christ. How surreal this is. I'm in the sanctuary with Beth and John, talking into a camera, and you're sitting at home, maybe in your kitchen or your living room, gathered around a computer screen or maybe a smartphone, And you're listening to us, you're participating with us, and we're worshiping the Lord together. What's particularly ironic about this whole setup today is that I'm focusing our attention on one of the values that we have as members of St. James as we continue our sermon series on what we value as members of St. James Lutheran Church. The value I'm focusing in on today is that we value being together. We treasure it, don't we? I mean, we treasure gathering in this place of worship. We treasure studying the Word of God together. We value serving one another in love. We value meeting together as in groups, whether that group be the Dorcas Society or the LWML or or the Wednesday morning Bible study group, or the choirs, or the bell choirs, or the friends in faith group. We long to be together. Difficult times, like that which we're going through, stir us to be dependent upon one another. Anxiety solicits a yearning for the serenity of the sanctuary. The insecurity of our lives with all that's going on and changing makes us crave the unchanging Word of God 
Social isolation starves us of, of our need for relationship, and so we hunger for the opportunity to gather, to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Lord's meal, and we, we desire and crave the intimacy of our community of faith. And yet, due to the contagious reality of the coronavirus, we're forced to separate, we're, we're forced to isolate ourselves from one another at the very time when we need each other more than ever. It's just so unnatural. It's not the way that God created us to be. The COVID-19 pandemic is not only a direct outcome of sin's curse on creation, but it's also an object lesson of horrific proportions of the reality of living in a fallen, sin-sick, infested world. You see, just as the coronavirus segregates and separates us from one another, so our fallen nature isolates and disconnects us from God and from one another. Just as many unsuspecting people are unwittingly the carriers of the coronavirus and giving it to other people, so also many people are oblivious to the fact that they're not only contaminated by sin, but are carriers of sin's curse and transmitting it to their offspring. And whereas the coronavirus results in the death of a minority of, of people around the world, which is tragic in and of itself, the virus that God calls sin, which infects all of humanity, is 100% fatal. Longing for fellowship with God and with other people is basic to our human nature and to our need. Listen to David's plea from Psalm 25. Turn to me and be gracious to me, O God, for I am lonely and I am afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away my sin. Amid his chaos, Job observes, I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Jeremiah the prophet laments, Cursed be the day that I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb? What, to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? The reality of sin in our life isolates us. It separates us from God and from one another. But listen to these promising words of the psalmist from Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. The Bible speaks of a fellowship like none other. God has revealed Himself as one God and yet three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who live in relationship, in fellowship with one another. But as we read the account of Jesus' death on the cross, 
we learn that this eternal fellowship is severed in our Lord's passion. Jesus, the Son of God, is isolated from His Father and the Holy Spirit as He hangs on the cross. As He endures the wrath of His Father for our sin, He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isaiah gives us the answer to that question. Isaiah writes, Surely, that is our Savior, took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. You see, Jesus' blood is the antidote for our sin. His blood is the cure for the curse of death. God promises for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus' isolation, His rejection, and death on the cross for our sin is God's remedy. His remedy for our isolation and our loneliness and And he restores us into a relationship with our Heavenly Father and serves as the glue that unites us. Because of Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father establishes an eternal relationship with us. In holy baptism, he promises us and he assures us of his presence and everlasting love. He promises, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And again, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We are daughters and sons in his family. This means that you and I and all believers in Jesus Christ are intimately and eternally connected to one another in this life and in the next. St. Paul talks about this connection that we have when he says there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God's love spans the distance between us. The Spirit of the Lord unites us into one body through holy baptism, no matter where it is that we worship the Lord. Our confession of faith connects us to believers around the world when we worship using even social media sites like this one. Our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ provides us with a shared eternal future that not even death can squash. And as much as we desire to be with each other in this sanctuary, it's not the place of worship that bonds us, but it's the God that we worship and serve. He unites us together as the family of God in one common Christian faith. The early Christians devoted themselves to gathering together for the study of the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
We may not be able to meet for worship and Bible study and to gather in groups at, at this building located on the corner of Graceland and Oakwood, but we can commit ourselves with single-minded fidelity to the study of God's Word, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In addition to our own personal study of the Word, we can meet with one another throughout the week on Facebook Live as we gather for worship on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We can gather together for a Bible study like we will do at 11 a.m. later today, and we can meet on Monday through Thursday for devotions at at high noon at 12 p.m. And many of us are already meeting in a devotional Bible reading on the YouVersion app. At designated times throughout this coming week, Monday afternoon and Thursday night, you're invited to come to the sanctuary where you can receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And from your home, from our homes, we can pray. We can pray for one another. We can pray with one another. We can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pray for our nation. And yes, we can pray for the COVID-19 virus to be eradicated. And even though we may be socially distant from one another, and for good reason, it does not mean that we need to be socially isolated or socially disengaged from one another. No, the Lord provides us with all kinds of means and ways for us to connect with one another and to serve one another. We can connect and serve one another through email and through text messaging and through Facebook and Facebook Live. We can gather in chat rooms. We can call one another up on the phone. We can write letters. We can send cards. And through all of those various means, we can continue to pray with and for one another. Be assured of this, that when you speak the Apostles' Creed and pray the Lord's Prayer at home, you are joining your voices with countless millions of people around the world with whom you are united and connected in a common Christian faith. When you sing hymns and spiritual songs, you unite your voice with the church on earth and with the church in heaven and even with the angelic host. When you make the sign of the cross, remember that in your baptism you became a child of God and that is who you are. You are a member of the family of God. And as you pray, as you pray for yourself and for other people, know that your brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.